I feel like it's first of all about the whole atmosphere she creates with the song. I mean, it feels like a nightmare, like a movie like that's created within two minutes. And although it seems a kind of dark, it's also such a relaxing to- song. No, relaxing, I don't know if that's the right word, but a song that really gets me in the right mood when I'm listening to it because the beginning is really like I'm all lonely and then it's like, oh, it's me. And I think it's such a brilliant way to end the song. It's like, it's wonderful everywhere. And it ends with like, someone helps them. It's me. And I feel, I feel like that's really powerful. Link, and this week we are talking about the second track from the Ninth Wave Suite, Under Ice. talk about the song this week is someone who is last on the show for the cloud busting episode we're calling all the way to germany to talk with paul hello i'm glad to be back on the show indeed especially for this uh, little song that uh not a lot of people were kind of scrambling to talk about so this is this is gonna be fun Yeah. yeah i think it's definitely overlooked i feel like most people treat it as a kind of interlude song and I'm like, where are my Under Ice fans? Like, it's actually a really good song. I mean, it has simple lyrics, but the delivery is really excellent. So, yeah, I'm here to talk about it. Indeed. So you were kind of touching there on, like, why you like a little bit of how you think of the song. So why is the song a, a notable Kate song for you? I feel like it's first of all about the whole atmosphere she creates. With the song, I mean, it feels like a nightmare, like a movie like that's created within two minutes. And although it seems a kind of dark, it's also a, such a relaxing to- song. No, relaxing, I don't know if that's the right word, but a song that really gets me in the right mood when I'm listening to it because the beginning is really like I'm all lonely. And then it's like, oh, it's me. And I think it's such a brilliant way to end the song. It's like, it's wonderful everywhere and it ends with like someone helps them it's me and i feel i feel like that's really powerful and i always am kind of the guy that's talk about songs that are underrated because i'm kind of like can we talk about i don't know under eyes mm-hmm. and also love these strings and the production it's it's very simple and i also love the songs the song before and the song after it but i think it's more than a bridge yeah well yeah i mean and dream of i always like remember and dream of sheep that's one of my top favorites and i'm gonna i'm gonna admit this song 
I usually think of it more as an interlude. I'm one of those. I like the song, but I do think of it as more of a linking sort of piece. So it's interesting. It's really cool to talk to somebody who thinks of this as something a little bit more than just, hey, wait a minute. No, it's not just an interlude. Yeah. I mean, I totally get why, because you have such amazing songs like And Dream of Cheap is a classic. And also Waking the Witch is so dramatic mm-hmm. and so typical, such a typical Kate song. When, with all the weird shit going on. But I really like the kind of laid-back approach when it comes to production of Under the Eyes. And I just love the song because it's one of those songs of Kate where you can really like feel the atmosphere. It immediately draws you into it. Like There's no way you listen to this song and then you're not going to listen to the rest. You know, it's not a song that, that like running up that hill, you can listen to that song all the time. But I feel like once you listen to Under Eyes, you're not go- going to be like, okay, well, I'm just go about my day. You know, it's right. a song that is really close to the core concept of Hounds of Love and it's it being a concept album, like the ninth wave. Mm-hmm. But it's not a bad thing. Yeah. So yeah, the production on this song is fairly simple and you were kind of touching on that a little bit it's as far as i can tell from the credits obviously it's kate singing there are harmony vocals from her brother and then i'm she's got she's got a quote here actually about how she came up with the cello sound and it was from the on the fairlight there aren't even any drums it's all about that dun 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 dun, dun 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 dun. Just all about that that yeah. cello, and it sounds to to me like kind of like it, it it makes me think of like something very choppy. Okay, well, I think there's like two types of like Kate fans. Some like the one half is really into her like very like dramatic and like extra production wise, like when it's really dramatic and loud. Like, let's say The Dreaming. And I feel like that's also one of the earliest songs of her that are a little bit laid back. Like, and then later on, she's going to produce a whole album, like Ariel, that has very different kind of production, like on The Dreaming. But I love both. So if you like both, you can only win. So, but I feel that it's really interesting to see that sort of production um, at that stage in her career. Because at that point, she was mostly known for her, let, let's call it crazy production, mm-hmm. which is not that much presented on this one. But I like it. Do you feel like the song would have benefited if it had more of a, more production? Or do you feel like the way that it's so simple just really fits it? Because most songs on House of Love have been very like a lot of production going on in a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, actually, do I don't. That? I think that the song is just fine production-wise. I really don't think that she needs much else to make it really complex because that cello it's and the not. way it's moving, <laughs> and she's got her the cello and her voice and where it's pitched within her range already creates a pretty like foreboding atmosphere especially with the 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 vocals you know moving under ice she got lots of those coming in like 
it's it doesn't need yeah, much else yeah and i also think that the next song is even more powerful due to the due to under ice being having sort of an easy going production okay i don't know if, if anyone that's naturally speaking english says that but yeah an easy going production and that's why i'm um, waking the witch is even more like effective then it's mm-hmm. like oh my god like what what what's going on and yeah, yeah i don't know why, why it just makes that sound but <laughs> <laughs> that's the way i feel like and it's also something that what i also think is so fun about like the song is that it's oh, it has a very serious topic but it's i always feel like when you're like drunk and you're like kind of in the mood you're like under ice and i feel like that's so fun to do maybe i'm just weird but (laughs) (laughs) something that's definitely going because yes like the ninth wave has a very like really thought-provoking story to itself but i also feel like there are some funny like internet like stuff produced about it like when we talk memes and stuff and i'm like that's the good content but yeah we're just talking about something else again but yeah, like, under eyes. Yeah, best song ever. <laughs> well, it's not it's, it's like, not a bad song at all. It's just, it's hard to not talk about yeah. it in the context of the other songs around it. Yeah. Let's just say, like, when you have such an amazing discography like Kate has, it's like, every song is a masterpiece, and even under eyes. It's very good. Like, please appreciate Kate. And make her release the Before the Dawn DVD footage. Please, thank you. Yes, <laughs> yeah, uh... seriously. For what it's also the story is telling. I mean, it almost reads like some kind of poem you know that someone's mm-hmm. telling to themselves and also like the image of being on the ice is something you know i mean you could t- take it for everything for like mental health is- issues or just for a situation in your life we are kind of feeling alienated by most people around you and we are just kind of this you're just going by and you really don't know where to go with your life and then it's kind of like someone helps them it's me and maybe I'm just taking it out of context, and I'm like, well, let's put, let, let's project my own issues onto Kate. <laughs> but I really, I really think that it's it's it speaks to me. So maybe that that's why it's valid because it evokes emotions. <laughs> well, you're right. It does feel very much like a nightmare, and even like I guess what I should, was really trying to say with the cello, like it feels like it feels like something like kind of sinister. Or, from a horror movie like you hear this like tense this these this tense cello and you're ground like what's going on who what's there and what do you think about this song in the context of like the story because i mean so far in the story at least from 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 my perspective and i'm curious yeah. to hear yours that we have we started with in dream of sheep we have this woman who's floating in the water trying to keep herself awake because if she rolls over the she then she's gonna die and then this song feels like okay now she's she has drifted off to sleep 
and she's having this dream of being on a lake on a lake that's completely frozen over in the winter time and she's skating and then at the end she she dreams in the within this dream she sees somebody falling into the ice and realizes that it's her and then we get into and then that goes into the next track with another nightmare that she has so that's how i see it i'm curious about like how how you where you think this kind of sits in the story and how you interpret it well i definitely have to agree with you on that but i i really think it's interesting because this song is kind of a link between the conscious and sort of the unconscious world for me because like it's like she's almost drowning and like falling asleep and she would have died. But then it's like, I feel like she's kind of looking at maybe the way her life used to be. And I don't know, maybe that's just another um, interpretation, but like, I f feel like it's not supposed to be taken that literal that she's just like being like on this frozen um, lake and like skating. And then she's like, oh, I gotta wake up or I go I'm going to drown. I mean, that's obviously some part of the story, but I do think it's about the way her life has felt until this point, because it's again, that sense of alienation. And, mm -hmm. it's, and also in the beginning when she's like, it's wonderful everywhere. So wide, it's like, oh yeah, it's, it's like a wonderful winter day. Like, wow, like beautiful. And then she's like, not a soul on the ice, only me skating fast. And it's kind of like, getting fast that she keeps on living her life without feeling the sort of connection and the whole theme of connection is to me running throughout Hounds of Love, this like deep longing for other people and for love. And then it gets even like I'm speeding past trees, leaving little lights in the eyes. And it's kind of like the faster she goes, the more what she's really aiming for is kind of getting away from her. And then in the eyes, of course, the eyes sort of almost breaks and then she sees herself trapped and that's kind of really nightmarish that the person that's screaming for help is actually her and mm -hmm. then we all know that then in waking um up the witch um waking the witch uh, yeah she's sort of doing something a little different but also that's a kind of discussion whether or not the witch is actually her or someone else or just a projection of her fears but that's another song and we're talking about under eyes but yeah that's <laughs> sort of my that's sort of my approach to the whole thing but i definitely agree with you that within the narrative it's definitely about her sort of falling asleep and being in this world between life and death and sort of having this vision if you want to call it that way mm -hmm. yeah she could be like remembering being a kid and skating around and on a cold day or something it's but it, it is very mysterious she did a really good job on this song with just minimal instrumentation no yeah, yeah definitely and i also think the lyrics are quite simple they are mm -hmm. not the most complex lyrics she has ever written but it's you know what i really like songs that have simple lyrics but that are just so full of emotions because you can write very complicated things and say absolutely nothing. But to me, it's this image of this like woman of this person just being on the ice all alone and then just seeing 
themselves underneath the ice is really powerful. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I'm really interested, um, do you read this, the beginning of the song as something that's still joyful or already as something sort of dark when she's on the lake skating? I, because I feel like it could be interpreted in two ways. But it's like, oh yeah, she's having fun or like, oh, she's confused. She's like just going around on the like lake of life, if you want to call it that way. And she doesn't know where she really wants to go. So yeah, I would love to hear your thought on that. I think of it as optimistic. I think of it as optimistic, okay. even though the the music, obviously at that point, it's that, that cutting cello doesn't make it seem like it is. To pop that. What's that? Oh, yeah. what's that? I was just saying it's not supporting um, the optimism. It's but the but lyrics are are might sound like simple and happy. I'm not gonna say happy, but it's not dark either. But the music underneath it is still very foreboding. It's like nothing is quite what it seems, which is a theme that Kate likes to come likes to play around with a lot, <laughs> even if she doesn't yeah. consciously mean to do that. It the way that she can have something that's really happy that sounds happy, but it's actually about dark stuff. <laughs> See, all we ever look for, um, and <laughs> other songs like that where it sounds kind of happy, but if you really kind of listen, you're like, no, no, there's something else going on here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I was just thinking maybe it's maybe almost all her discography is kind of that way. Because, but I love that. That's exactly the type of music I listen to. Like music that sounds sort of cheerful, but when you look at the lyrics, it's kind of like, oh, shit got dark. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of my type of music. <laughs> and I can't imagine that it honestly would have taken Kate a very... Actually, she has here... The, um, there's a really cool quote where she's actually talked about this song because okay. she hasn't said much. But um, she said yeah. this. Well, at this point, they although they didn't want to go to sleep, of course they do. <laughs> and this is the dream. Uh, and it's really meant to be quite nightmarish. And um, this was all kind of coming together by itself. I didn't have much to do with this. I just sat down and wrote this little tune on the Fairlight with the cello sound. And it sounded very operatic. And I thought, well, great, because it, you know, it's, it conjured up the image of ice and... Um, It was really simple to record. I mean, we we did the whole thing in a day, I guess. Again, it's very lonely. It's terribly lonely. They're all alone on, like, this frozen lake. And at the end of it, it's the idea of um, seeing themselves under the ice in the river. So, I mean, we're talking real nightmare stuff here. And uh, at this point, when they say, you know, my God, it's me, you know, it's me under the ice. Ah!" Well, I mean, that definitely speaks as a sort of more like an interlude when it's like, well, I've just written that in a day. But I mean, mm-hmm. she has also written the man with the child in his eyes at age 13. So it's not kind of, it's not like that easy to be like, oh yeah, she just wrote it in a day. And it's not that great because it is great to be. So please let me have rights and talk about this one because I, I, I don't want to make this about mental health, but I just, really like the imagery of being trapped under ice. I'm not like that I actually like it, but in a way as a symbol, because mm-hmm. it's kind of like 
you're stuck there, but it's also kind of the reflection, the seeing yourself maybe for the first time that you're actually in a trapped position and I don't know, you need to get help and like you need to wake up and then it's all about the witch in the next song. But as I talk about it, I realize that it's not that easy to talk about the song as a standalone because you usually Mm-mm. talk about and dream of sheep and then you talk about like, oh yeah, and then the waking the witch and I'm like, well, obviously the song is not a single for a good reason. No. <laughs> but I but I still think. So I'm also interested. Oh, well, it's so funny that I'm asking the questions, even though you're the host. But I really want to know, do you remember what your first impression was like when you listened to the song? Um, I, the well, first time I ever... <laughs> well, no, actually, see, what I like it like when we have like this kind of like asking each other stuff. Because you know, it's a conversation, and it just happens to be recorded, and everybody's going to be listening to this. Hi. Um, the first time I heard this song... Uh, would have been within the context of the ninth wave when I was on vacation in Hawaii and I got Hounds of Love and I don't remember at the time if I had a CD player with me. I don't think I did because at that point it was 2005 and so I had my iPod that I was carrying around with me all over the place. And I would have heard it when I ripped it to my computer and put it in iTunes and probably on my iPod, okay. and I liked it. I mean, it's nice and short. This is we're already talking way longer about this song than the act, this actual song is. Um, and <laughs> I remember thinking it was it was a good song. It felt like it. She created a good atmosphere of feeling like you're in a nightmare, which is nothing compared to what the song that comes after this with "Waking the Witch." I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was well. good. And I liked the melody itself is very simple. It's not yeah. a, It's not one of her most rangy songs. I'm actually looking at the sheet music for this. It's in the key of A minor, okay. which is itself kind of kind of a sad key. Not what as much as say like B flat minor okay. or something. Um, but she sticks okay. pretty much in her lower range. She really doesn't, other than that it's me, at the end when she wails up there. Get out of the cold water. It's me. Something. It's me. Someone help them. She's sticking like very low for her range which, you know, is usually pretty freaking wide, but it's it's low. And the fact <laughs> that she's singing low, it feels foreboding, like okay. something's not quite right. kind of like well i liked it but like i prefer other songs on house of love or they're more memorable it's to me maybe but also just that it is like, like you were mentioning it is not a standalone song you sometimes when i would put all of kate's music on shuffle 
something like this would come up and it felt a little bit jarring because it's like, wait, you know that this is supposed to be part of a bigger piece of work. And so it's, it feels weird to listen to it just on its own. Yeah, because I feel like you definitely have to be in the mood to listen to the ninth wave. Mm-hmm. And I just think of a scenario where you're like, okay, I'm going to listen to Under Eyes and then like another K song, another random K song. Because it's kind of like, maybe when you're sad and you're kind of like, well, I feel alone, but not in a, but, and, but something is going, or maybe it's kind of like, Something is wrong, but I don't want to admit it, so I'm just going to pretend. I don't know. Like it, it, uh, the more we talk about it, the more I realize that song is really like difficult to be quite defensive about because I can see where uh, when fans are like, "Well, yeah, it's cute, but it's not that big of a deal," at least for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. Um, is there anything else? Yeah. I honestly, I felt like this was probably going to be a shorter episode because it's such a short song. It's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. The production is very simple. The lyrics are simple. Mm-hmm. Um, does, it, does the song connect to you emotionally? Maybe that's something. Um, how it connects to me? You, hmm? you don't have to force yourself if it doesn't, but... I would be interested in it because you also asked me how I feel about the song <laughs> and what's kind of the history with the song. So I'm like, if I have to get vulnerable, you have, you have to. Okay. Well. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I always ask everybody that because I'm always curious to hear like how people connect with a song because everybody has such different experiences. I honestly really don't have much personal connection to the song. I mean, I like it. I think of it as more of a bridge kind of song, but I can see I can see why other people might have more personal connection to this song. Um, yeah, the lyrics are pretty simple. I there I honestly really don't have any one lyric, like favorite lyrical moment other than like <laughs> silver heels silver heels spitting spitting snow i like that it's like that the that's yeah, kind of sound i love that i feel like my favorite part is the end when it's like it's me something someone helps them it's me and mm-hmm. it's not a deep complicated lyric but i'm just like relatable like thank you kate for <laughs> speaking <laughs> the truth now oh my god that sounds so lame but yeah so yeah i really i just i just like the song because i love projecting things onto pop songs and i also really wonder because i don't know i wasn't present during the day and you were also not but the way people felt about when it came out. And maybe that's still something, but you also don't know, right? How the reaction was towards the song, like within the whole context of the ninth wave. Because I always wonder if people at the time were ready for it or not, because it feels like people were, but on the other side, when the dreaming came out, people sort of were really not having it. As much as nowadays people are Always like, yeah, The Dreaming is my favorite record. And it's also my favorite record as well. And as far as I can remember, The Dreaming is also your favorite K 
Kate album, right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, when I started listening to her, I was like, okay, I think it's funny that we're now talking about like some general Kate stuff to have more uh, minutes within the episode. But I just, at the beginning of my journey with Kate, I was kind of like, yeah, House of Love is the best one. And then I realized, okay, that's some stuff like male music critics came up with that they were like oh my god the dreaming is so weird record and on the house of love she's just so mature and, and deep and i'm like yeah it's a really great record one of the best ones ever made but the dreaming is better so yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah that's sort of my take if, do you know anything about it how the reaction was towards like the whole also the nightmarish like quality to it uh, for Under Ice, I have looked and looked, and I haven't found many other many mentions of this song um, yeah. from the time. People uh, don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, they're just, oh, yeah, she's, like, starting to, she's fallen asleep, and she's starting to have these nightmares, if people even mention this. <laughs> I have, honestly, really haven't found any to be, like, completely yeah. notable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just not a lot of people talk well, about the song. Yeah, like, no, I feel bad for the song, even though the song is like, Kate also is not like the best like promoter of this one, but I'm kind of like, it's really interesting that people are always, and I wonder why, but I mean, we, we know the reasons, but it's still a good song. That's also something I maybe would like to add that even though it's not her best song, it's still good, so I don't know how many of your favorite artists do that. So yeah, okay, people win. Um, yeah, but maybe that's what all we have to say about the song. <laughs> oh, just that um, um, not a lot of people have talked about the song. Kate really hasn't. Um, I mean, of course, there's mention yeah. of it in Under the Ivy um, when when Graham Thompson is uh, talking about um, the Ninth Wave and uh, just the songs in their context. Like he, for, about this song in particular, yeah, he mentions the song before. The story starts with the girl bobbing in the sea, fighting off sleep and sensory deprivation in Dream of Sheep. With only the emergency light on her life jacket illuminating the pitch darkness, she falls into restive sleep under ice and endures jagged, discordant, vivid dreams of being trapped under ice. And then it goes into talking about like the waking the witch and her, her subconscious then slips back in time, passing through the voices of her childhood, both scolding and gentle, returning eventually to a bygone age of female persecution her predicament in the water, recalling the historic barbarity of witch ducking where guilt was determined by whether the woman, woman sank or floated. <laughs> so yeah, he's... No, no, other than really what Graham Thompson has talked about the song and Kate herself, not a lot of people talk about the song. And if they do, it's like within the context of the other songs around it because this is... It's hard to talk about the song on, on its own. It really is. Yeah, it really is. Or maybe we are not just ready yet to have that conversation because I looked at that song up earlier on YouTube because I love reading comments about Kate's song because it's sometimes it's really interesting what people think of it 
And then there were like quite some people that were like, this is my all time favorite case one. I, I was honestly kind of, kind of shocked because that was so unexpected. And I was kind of like, well, I gotta, I gotta keep thinking about it because I love that song, but I would never say that it's my favorite because as, as we already discussed a hundred times that it's not a standalone. It's also so directly linked to a certain story. And unlike cloud busting, um, it's not that universal, you know, like despite cloud busting also telling a very specific story, um, it has, it's, it has way more success than, um, under ice. And also it has a very better production and all that fun stuff. But it's really interesting that on the one hand, the song, get so much recognition as far as people calling it one of the best songs of all time. And I agree. And then it's kind of like, yeah, there we got under eyes and she cute. But yeah, like I, I love Wake Me the Witch or I love and Dream of Sheep. So yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to say for that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, have you heard you've, heard before the dawn and everything what do you think of the live version of the song i mean i love it so also i was recently and i think it was yesterday listening to the latest episode about before the dawn and then i was kind of sad afterwards because i was like why was i too young but yeah um i listened to it to it today because i got my before the dawn cd going and i really like the version it also sounds even better when I, I don't know I feel like the voice she's Kate is having right now okay that's such a weird way to put it but you get what I mean yeah it's her current more voice fitting for the whole theme yes her current voice thank you sometimes it really kicks in that English is not my first language and I'm kind of like I want to express what I feel <laughs> about like well how that's how I feel when I'm speaking like, well, that's sometimes how I feel when I'm speaking French yeah. because French is not my native language, but I'm fluent in it and can definitely get by. I really like the Before the Dawn version and her current voice is very much fitting it. I don't I don't know if I should say prefer it because it's just... Or maybe I'm just biased because it's the only live version um, we've got so far. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm yeah, really pretty much. emphasizing on the so far. <laughs> and... Um, I really, really like it. But I just overall love the whole, the way they did the ninth wave and also like the story about her getting into actually like cold water and being like, it can't get colder than this. And that's why I really, really like it. And it's, but I feel like the whole record wouldn't be the same without under eyes. And I mean, that's kind of the world to be like, yeah, but if it would be gone, we would miss it. But because it's such an important link to like and dream of sheep it's mm-hmm. kind of really much still in the like conscious world and it's a song that links like the conscious thought of like and dream of sheep to like the waiting the witch explosion that's happening in the end and maybe yeah. that's the way the song but maybe that's also part of the reason that kate herself had such an easy time um recording the song or like even making it like one day and that's not much um so maybe that's why she was all kind of like yeah it's on the record but i don't want to talk that much about it 
And that's also another difference to cloud bathing because I feel like that's the song she talks the most about. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as far as I can tell. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the point. I always struggle with finding an ending when having a monologue. So yeah, that's that's what I would like to say about the before the John version. So how do you feel about do you how do you feel about it? I like it. It's it adheres very close to the recorded version. I mean, then again, there's really not much else to this song to really reinvent it. Um, <laughs> and I agree with you. I yeah. like her her more weathered vocals on this one, probably because the song was written to be sung kind of low and, you know, it's beautiful on the ice. Like, it's meant to be sung that low. And she's older, and so her voice is lowered quite a bit from where she was in her early days. But then again, that happens to a lot of singers. Your voice is, for some people's voices, when you get older, you don't sound that much different from when you were younger. But for other people, it changes a lot. And for women, particularly, um, apparently for women, they go through the most changes with their voices, probably because of like your hormones changing and like how your how that affects your voice and everything. But I mean, get back to the song though. Like, I feel like the uh, the live version fits her fits her lower voice very well. And from what I can see on some of the bootlegs that I've seen, and that one, it she treats the song very literally. Like she's like literally like there's one part where she like puts out her her arms and it almost looks like she's swimming. I think it's at the part where she's you know I'm I'm skating past trees or sorry past trees. Um, it just shows her like on the ice, fish people around her. It's a pretty literal interpretation oh my of God, the song. Yes. Oh my God, the fish people. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I still don't know how to feel about them, but that's another conversation to yeah. have. But like, I just mentioned them, the fish people. I was like, they ruined the vinyls with that big logo on it, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I like I like the live version of this song. It's like you were saying, okay, it's the only yeah, sure. it's the only live version we have of the song, and it's her actually singing live as opposed to lip syncing, which is always nice because yeah. she just she doesn't sing live frequently enough anymore. And yeah, yeah I like the li- I like the live version of Before from Before the Dawn, short and sweet, just like the original. So yeah. Yeah, or maybe we're just a little biased because we were so desperate for her singing <laughs> this one live, or like the whole night through, and we were like, yeah, it was it was good, but I mean, it, I think it was actually really good, and that, yeah, that's it. But it's always so funny talking about the oh, my, how 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 do you feel about the before the dawn version? Because I don't know any person that was like, well, I hated it <laughs> because I feel like Kate fans are just like. Oh my God, she left her house and like performed live. Like that was a moment in history and we have to like talk about it. And I agree. So I'm not putting judgment on anyone for doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe you already mentioned it, but do you know anything about the way the song was um, presented at Before the Dawn? It's not like the way it sounds, because you can hear that online, but the way it was presented um, oh, within you, the show. 
Well, in the within the show, so when, in Before the Dawn, it was um, the second song of the second act. Yeah. And it there's the video of her kind of floating in the water that was shown up on yeah, the screen. Yeah, I know about that one. And then with this song, she's out, she's on stage and she's all mic'd up and she's got like the fish people behind her and she's just mimicking skating. And oh, that's oh, kind of about oh. it. Like it's a very literal interpretation of the song. Well, now, now I got to think about it. That's a little, okay. I mean, I would have been very dramatic about it if I had the chance to see it, but I didn't. Um, but oh, that's damn literal. That's really fucking literal. Oh, it really um, is. And it's not just like the, I can tell from the grainy boot, like, yeah. <laughs> do you think it's good that it's that literal or would you have imagined something else? Not that we well, question the decision of our Lord and Savior Kate, but like, how no, do you feel about it? <laughs> oh, because if I had it my way, we probably would have been live streaming this event too, but you know. Um, yeah. Then they probably would have crashed the servers, but uh, and also we would have released the DVD. Something Release the freaking DVD. Like, shitty quality would be fine. Like nothing. Like we're just so desperate. But like yeah, yeah. But I don't honestly. There isn't anything else you could do with this song. Like it, I mean, it, you could do spoken poetry. Okay, you could have invited me, and I would have done <laughs> <the> spoken poetry. <laughs> you know, like. I mean, I was way too young to actually event the, attend the shows, but to be honest, listening to like the Before the Dawn episode that was put out um, by the by the podcast, I really got sad. Like, it was really fun to listen to, but I was also very like, well, I missed out on that. <laughs> and it's not looking great, but okay, well... <laughs> I know. We've got her legacy going. And you know what broke me? I think that's what you said when you were like, we got to keep the memory alive. And I was like, fuck it. Like, <laughs> I never thought it about it that way, but it's like, mm-hmm. um, it's not going to be there forever. And I was really sad about it. <laughs> and I was like, well, shit got a little dark. Um, time to listen to Ariel and feel better about the universe. So that's what I did. <laughs> but yeah, it was a good nice episode. Um, yeah, no, I don't want it to be like, yeah, you are the best host ever. But yeah, I just wanted to tell that story because I don't know. I just <laughs> wanted to share what I thought while listening to it. Yeah. But that's a, that's a whole different thing. I mean, yeah, I don't, I think, it's, I mean, okay. I would have died seeing it live. But I think it's a little too little for my own taste. But also, Kate skating is like the most amazing thing to ever witness. So maybe the literal performance deserves some light. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> Thank you. 
we've kind of exhausted this song here. I think we've already we've talked a lot about production. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we did about like the only live version of it. We also talked about the meaning. At least I overshared a little bit, and <laughs> we also talked about its um, importance within the whole concept of the record and how it really like it's a point where it shifts the narrative shifts from consciousness to unconsciousness and the whole thing about like the witch and all the stuff that's later happening within the record, we got a lot going for this episode. I think so. What I can tell. Yeah, I'm really excited how much you're going to edit out and <laughs> how much you're going to let in, how much of a like free associating talk you're going to let in within the episode. Well, then I think that's about it. I think uh, so. And yeah. All right. Yeah. And uh, you have a have a good morning. <laughs> for listening to this week's episode of Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. Well, we're done with track two, and now next week we're going to be talking about a track that definitely has a lot more production than this week's song, Waking the Witch. As always, if you'd like to be on the show or if you want to contact me, you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash katebushpodcast, on Twitter at strangekatecast, and on the web, kbcast.linkmedia.com. That's link with an E. Also, we have a Patreon, so if you're enjoying what you're listening to, you can come and help support the show at patreon.com slash katebushpodcast. Well, join us next week. We're going to go into yet another nightmare. I know i do not trying to sound very happy about that, but we're going into another nightmare next week with the song Waking the Witch. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.